Good morning, everybody. You're tuning to the news at Morning Mixtape. It is Monday, April 17th, and I'm your host, Mariana Schwitzen, reporting for CJRU, 12.80 a.m. in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. G7 countries pledge to quit fossil fuels faster, but no deadline has been set. In Sudan, over 70 civilians have been killed as military and rival group fight for control. And in Canada, five First Nations reached historic $800 million plus land settlement with BC and the federal government. And then we'll hear from Samina with an exciting book recommendation in her segment, Turn the Page. So let's get to the news. The countries of G7 pledged to quit fossil fuels faster at a talk in Japan this Sunday. The group hasn't set a deadline for that yet. The G7 is an intergovernmental political forum consisting of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, the United States, and additionally the European Union as a non-enumerated member. The G7 pledged on Sunday to quit fossil fuels faster and urged other countries to follow suit, but failed to agree to any new deadlines on ending polluting power sources like coal. According to the Associated Foreign Press, the lack of deadlines reflects the depth of disagreements among the islands on the balance between climate action and energy security, with host Japan leading a pushback against the most ambitious proposals discussed. After two days of talks in the northern city of Sapporo, the bloc's climate and environment ministers vowed to, quote, accelerate the phase out of unabated fossil fuels so as to achieve net zero in energy systems by 2050, at the latest, and call on others to join us in taking the same action, end quote. But they offered no new timelines beyond last year's G7 pledge to largely end fossil fuel use in their electricity sectors by 2035. France's energy transition minister, Agnès Pannier-Runacher, said the phase-out wording was nonetheless a strong step forward ahead of the G20 and the COP28 summits. Britain in France has suggested a new goal of ending unabated coal power, which does not take steps to offset emissions in G7 power grid this decade. But with global energy supply still squeezed by the war in Ukraine, the target faced opposition from other members, including Japan and the United States. Additionally, the G7 also pledged to end new plastic pollution by 2040. Britain, Canada, and the EU already belong to an international coalition with the same goal. But this is the first time Japan and the United States have made the 2040 commitment. The G7 ministers also urged a peak in global greenhouse emissions by 2025 at the latest, language that experts say is aimed at the world's largest carbon emitter, China, which is targeting its own 2030 peak. Still, according to the AFP, the ministers have been under pressure to announce both steps after a major UN climate report warned last month that global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius would be seen in about a decade without rapid and far-reaching action. And in other international news, a power struggle between Sudan's army and a notorious paramilitary force has rocked the country, with more than 76 civilians reported dead as of Sunday afternoon. Residents dodged gunfire in the capital Khartoum as rival forces battled over the presidential palace, state TV, and army headquarters. Fighting broke out Saturday morning in Sudan after weeks of rising tensions between the Rapid Support Forces, RSF, a major paramilitary group led by Vice President Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo, 
universally referred to as Hem Daddy, and the military headed by the President, Lieutenant and General Abdel Fattah al-Bulam. The rivals who seized power in a coup in 2021 fell out over a power-sharing agreement and a timeline to integrate the RSF into Sudan's national forces, which was supposed to usher in a return to civilian rule. For now, the hopes that citizens may have for a civilian-led democracy have receded. According to the Washington Post, four years ago, anger over spiraling inflation and the dream of freedom from repression brought tens of thousands of Southern Sudanese onto the streets in a movement that helped topple dictator Omar al-Bashir. A civilian government took power in 2019, but was overthrown in 2021 by a coup led by al-Buran and Hamdati. Despite a United Nations announcement that its envoys had brokered a temporary pause in the heavy fighting in the country, widespread gunfire was reported in social media on Sunday night in the second day of battle between the military and paramilitary forces. Now in Canada, five First Nations in BC have reached a historical settlement with both the provincial and federal governments of $800 million and over 44,000 hectares of land. The settlement resolved long-standing claims that the First Nations did not receive all the lands owed to them under Treaty 8, which they signed in 1899. According to Global News, the monetary sum of $800 million was stated by Canada's Minister of Crow Indigenous Relations, Mark Miller, in the question period. About the money settlement, he said, This is not a windfall. This is not free money. It is a bill that has gone unpaid for more than 100 years by the government of Canada. If there is any stigma and prejudice to be leveled on anyone, it should be on the government of Canada and not on our treaty partners, whose obligations we've disrespected for a hundred years, said Miller. The settlements were announced Saturday by Judy Desserley, chief of Blueberry River First Nations, Trevor Makadahai, chief of Dog River First Nation, Darlene Hunter, chief of Halfway River First Nation, Justin Napoleon, chief of Salto First Nations, and Roland Winslow. Chief of West Marbury First Nations, along with federal and provincial officials. According to the province, for more than 100 years, these First Nations were deprived of the use and benefit of these lands in BC, which was owed to them under Treaty 8. Provincial steps said that under the settlement agreement, Canada will provide the First Nations compensation for these losses and costs relating to the claims. Well, that was it for me today. Now I'll leave you with Samina for her segment, Turn the Page. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Turn the Page. My name is Samina. Each week, I'm going to make a book recommendation, and I hope it gets you turning the pages. Warning. The content in this segment may be distressing to listeners. Discretion is advised. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. When you look into someone's eyes, what are you expecting to see? Do you think you're going to learn the truth, or are you hoping to reinforce your judgment? What happens if you don't see what you want? Are you right or wrong? In 2013, Alexandria Quinlan became a social media sensation at 17 years old. Her mother, father, and younger brother were shot and killed in their home. She hid in the grandfather clock in the hallway, but when the police found her, she was sitting on her parents' bed with the gun. Alexandra was dubbed empty eyes by the media. She filed a defamation lawsuit to clear her name and won. A decade later, Alex has legally changed her name, her appearance, and her background. 
she became a legal investigator for the law firm that helped clear her name. She hopes to find the same justice for her clients. Alex is also hoping to uncover the truth of what happened to her family. Her newest client is college student Matthew Claymore, whose girlfriend Laura McAllister disappeared. When she starts investigating, Alex finds connections to her family's murder. The title of the book is Those Empty Eyes. The author is Charlie Dunlea. This description hooked me right away, and I know what you're thinking. I thought it too. It's a cliche story. You can already predict the ending. Thankfully, Charlie is able to surprise readers, and he will keep reading just to learn the revelations. There are multiple mysteries in this book. The story is told from Alex's perspective, a victim of the justice system, media, and court of public opinion. You can easily root for her. She's tried to move on with her life, but Alex is stunted by her trauma, and until she learns the truth, she can't move on with her life. She's even created a crime board in her apartment. Let's see if Alex can finally get some answers. If you find there's a book you want to read immediately, check with your local library, and don't forget to check Overdrive for a digital copy. You can also check your local independent bookstore. If you enjoyed this book and want to share your thoughts or make a recommendation, please find us on Instagram at CGRU. Thank you for listening. Happy reading. With this, let's wrap up our news for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I will be back next week with some more news and morning mixtape. But until then, tune in tomorrow for more. It's CJRU, 12 a.m. in Toronto. I'm Mariana Schwitzen. Thanks for listening.